Good morning. It's great to be with you. I want to say hi to those of you online, those of you out in the courtyard. This is a great Sunday. Do you know why this is a great Sunday? This is a great Sunday. We, every Sunday is a great Sunday because we get to gather and worship God. This is a great Sunday because this is when real football starts, right? All that other stuff is just warm up. So proud of those little kids running around playing that little college game. That's fun. So cute that the Cowboys lost again. We love that. It's a great way to start the season. But the real season starts today. Why? Because God teams, God's team plays today. Now, notice, I did not say which team is God's team. We have lots of different jerseys here today. I am going to say that this may be the best the Broncos are all year long. I don't mean this afternoon. I mean right now, before they've lost anything, right? Lifelong Bronco fan. I am cheering for them until halftime, and then we'll see where we're at from there. Yeah. All right. Hey, glad you're here. I'm Jeff Surratt. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Front Range, and just so uh, honored that you're with us. Hey, if this is your first time to be here, we're glad you came. We, the, what we try to do, our, our whole goal as a church is to be a place where you can come and you can build community um, you can discover your purpose. You can grow in your faith. And that's everything we do is kind of built around that. Now, this Sunday, uh, today, before we, we dive in, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, one is um, yesterday, of course, was the 20th anniversary of uh, our 20th anniversary of 9-11. A very somber day. I don't know if you kind of watched some of the things on the news or social media, but very, very somber. Those of us who are old enough remember exactly where we were and, and when it happened. And, and I remember the day after um, because I was suddenly thrust into a place of leadership at a church. Our pastor was out of town and couldn't get back. And, and so we just called the whole church together um, the day after. And we all just, we hugged each other. We prayed for each other. We cried and we hung out. And I just thought that moment was just a beautiful moment of unity. And so in a minute, I want to pray for us as a church, but also as a, as a country, that we can step back into that kind of unity in this 20 years since 9-11. Another thing I want to pray as we get started today, too, our, our pastor, Pastor Ernest, he would, he would love to be here. He would love to be giving this message. This is one of his favorite topics. We have been planning this series. We're going to start a series called Blessed, and we've been planning it for months, and Ernest has been excited about it. But if you follow him at all on social media, you saw that a couple of weeks ago he was wrestling, roughhousing with one of his kids, and they accidentally hit him in the, in the jaw with their knee, and, and it caused him to bite all the way through his tongue. And so his tongue's pretty badly messed up. He, they put some stitches in it. It's healing. It's getting better, but he just, he can't, he can't, uh, he can talk, but it's, it's pretty hard to understand him right now. So I want to pray that God will continue to heal him and also encourage him. Like, you can imagine how difficult that is when speaking uh, is the thing that God has gifted you to do, it's gifted him to do, and, and he can't do it right now. So would you guys pray as we get started? Father, we pray, uh, first of all, with thankful hearts, Lord, that you are with us, that you are in, in, in this building, you are online. It says where two or three get together in your name that you're there, and we know that you're here. And Lord, we come before you, uh, first of all, for our nation. Lord, we pray that there will be healing in our nation, that there will be a coming together in our nation like we saw 20 years ago. And Lord, that you would come as we humble ourselves and we, we call on you that you will come and heal our nation. Lord, I pray also for our pastor, for Pastor Ernest. Lord, I pray for healing specifically in his tongue. I pray that you'll take away the pain. Lord, that you'll restore his speech fully. And Lord, we pray also that you will encourage him and that he will feel your presence in his life. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So as I said, we're going to dive into a new series. It's going to be kind of a a fun series, maybe a little different than what you expect. The series, we're calling it Blessed. And so when I found out that I was going to speak this Sunday on this topic, I thought, well, I need to do a little research on the word blessed. What what do people mean when they say they are blessed? Or, 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 uh, you know, a while ago it was hashtag blessed. What do they mean by that? And so I went where I always go when I want reliable information. I went to Instagram. And I looked on Instagram to see what people mean when they say blessed, and I, I found some great examples. Let me, let me share them with you today. This uh, first one is from a lady, she calls herself uh, Carla, uh, Carla Plupo, and she says that your biggest lessons are your greatest blessings. Oh, I love that. It's almost true. Like, it's a true truism, we call that. Here's a second one. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, apparently, Teddy the Shetland has an Instagram account. And Teddy says he's humbled to be presence. Uh, he's humbled to be in the presence of the Easter Bunny. This one took me a while. Apparently, there's a bunny on his back. I don't know. So I don't know that we've learned much about blessed, but let's keep going. This is uh, Remy Salas BX, and Remy says this: midday affirmation. Today I will thrive, go the extra mile, and inspire. Feels weird to wear a suit. Hashtag blessed. Okay. Um, oh, Jesus is in this one. This is good. This is from someone named Evil Queen Beta. And Evil Queen Beta says, finally meeting my besties at one of the most beautiful places in the world, Cristo Redentor. Well, at least Jesus is there. Now we're getting some blessed. Let's keep going. Oh, I like this one. This is Golden Key Investments. And he says, Golden Key Investments says, I'm humble, but my faith moves mountains. Hashtag blessed. His uh, caption on his picture, though, says, I'm going to be remembered as one of the greatest developers on earth. So he's humble in a very arrogant kind of way. I like that. And he's blessed in that. Um, I really like this one. This is uh, Gagra Becca, and they seem to be going to a wedding or getting married. And she says, us, and then says hashtag blessed. What I really like about this is if you look at the young man with her, he's not feeling hashtag blessed. (laughs) He doesn't look pleased at all. But here's the one who really gives us the picture of blessed. This is Walker Fitness, and it simply says, hashtag blessed, that's it. I get it, that's what I look like in the morning, and I feel blessed. That's funny. Well, it is kind of funny. Let's get that picture off of there. So, on social media, when we say we're blessed, what we're really saying is my life is better than your life. So, I am blessed, you're not. You know, we all get confused about blessed. Blessed, a lot of times, can feel like blessed equals more. If I have more then I'm blessed. Like, recently I went to a meeting, uh, and it was at somebody's house. And this house was, I've never seen a house like this. Like, my house could fit in their kitchen. They had two driveways. I didn't even know that was possible. I thought you were limited to one driveway. They got two. It was amazing. And I thought, you know what? If I owned this house, I'd be blessed. That would be amazing, right? Or maybe, have you guys seen the new electric, all-electric Ford F-150 that's coming out? Has anybody seen that? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's got, it's got, uh, it's supposed to go zero to 60 in like under three seconds. It'll uh, it'll tow 10,000 pounds. But here's my favorite part, and this is true. If your electricity goes out at your house, your truck will run the electricity of your house for three days. That's the kind of truck I'm talking about. If I had the new electric Ford F-150, I'd be blessed, right? Or for me, I'm in a a later chapter in my life, obviously, and 
my wife and I are starting to think about what, is, what does life look like toward retirement, that kind of thing. And so sometimes I look at my 401k and I think, you know what, if I had this specific number in that account, if I could hit that number, then I would be blessed. And maybe you feel that way sometimes, that, that, that more is blessed. But there's a theologian that uh, kind of was known toward the end of the last century named, Theolo- uh, named Christopher Wallace. And Christopher Wallace wrote this about more. He said, I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. That's from his treatise called Mo Money, Mo Problems that he wrote under the pseudonym, the Notorious B.I.G. More, that was, that was really funny before, more, <laughs> more is not always blessed. Sometimes, though, instead of more, we think a blessed would be less. You know what? If I had less stress at work, if I had less financial pressure, if there was less uncertainty in the world around me, then I would be blessed. But the reality is if we lived a life with no stress, with no pressure, with no uncertainty, it would be monotonous. We would get bored. And so blessed is not about having more. Blessed is not necessarily about having less. The blessed that we're going to focus on today and for the next couple of weeks is about finding peace in the midst of stress, finding joy in the midst of pressure, finding fulfillment in the midst of uncertainty. You see, what we're going to talk about today is that the key to a blessed life is not about getting more. In fact, we'll talk a little bit about the fact that uh, uh, that's selfishness. The key to finding a blessed life, the key is in giving more. It's all about generosity, generosity. As soon as I say the give word, alarms go off, right? Oh, okay, now we know where we're going. This is one of those giving messages. In fact, I had somebody tell me this week they were inviting a friend to, to church with them, and their friend said, I'll tell you what, I'll go, but if they mention giving one time, I'm out of there. And if that's you, hi, <laughs> see ya, thanks for coming. Um, sorry, no, but I get it. I totally understand. I grew up in church, and I have heard sermons that, about giving that was just so uh, off of what I think God wants to talk about, and, and, and it, it, it sometimes sounds like when you listen to preachers that generosity is bent toward their benefit, not your benefit, and it's just kind of weird stuff. But here's the truth, absolute truth from my heart. Coming to understand true generosity and what it's about has changed my life. Like, over, uh, it's been over the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years or so, that I've really come into this understanding of generosity And it literally has changed my life. And what I want you to know is as we talk about generosity and being blessed, it is not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you because we genuinely believe that this is transformational. So that's what we're going to talk about. Some of the concepts that I'm going to share today um, draw on some work by a friend of mine who pastors a church called Gateway in Dallas. And he, he talks about this idea of being blessed and generosity. But To understand, understand this idea of generosity, it starts with the heart. We have to begin with the heart. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That first sentence is the key. You must each decide in your heart. If we truly want to experience the blessed life, if we truly want to understand how transformational generosity is, we have to have a change of heart. Why do we have to have a change of heart? 
But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our heart because every one of us was born with a selfish heart. Everyone is born with a selfish heart. I want to make sure everybody around understands. So turn to who, people around you and just tell them, you were born with a selfish heart. Go ahead and tell them. And type it in the chat online. All y'all, we'd say in the South, all y'all were born with a selfish heart. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who was born with a selfish heart? Yeah, almost everybody. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's hands went up too fast, right? I, I can prove that we were born with a selfish heart. If, if, you were, if you have older siblings that are pretty close to you in age, the first word that you learned was probably the word mine. I grew up with an older brother and an older sister, and I learned to find the best toys and hide them in my room and call them mine because they were mine. I bet no parent ever has had to teach your child to not share their toys. Oh, you're sharing too much. Keep those toys to yourself. No, we are born with a selfish heart. And the problem is, at least men, I don't know about women, but men, we keep a selfish heart all of our lives, and I can prove it to you. If you go out on a date with your wife or girlfriend or whoever, you go out on a date and it's time to order at the restaurant and here are the words you dread the most. When it comes time to order, you say, hey, what, what are you going to get, sweetie? And she says, oh, I'm not that hungry. I'll just have some of yours, right? No! I'll get you the prime rib. I'll get you the lobster. I'll get you the prime rib and the lobster. Just keep your grubby little fingers off my food. We don't say it. Inside, we say it. Outside, we're like, oh, okay, yeah. Ladies, if you haven't picked this up, I'm going to give you an inside look. No man ever wanted to share his food. Like, never wanted. No matter what he said, he doesn't want to share his food. Why? Because we are born with a selfish heart. In fact, the selfishness is so ingrained, we can even approach the topic of giving from a selfish standpoint. We can approach it with a kind of this idea. If you give more, you'll get more. In fact, that's been reinforced sometimes in churches where they've taught, hey, if you give more, you can get more. I've heard that being taught. And that kind of, ooh, selfishly, I kind of like that. But let me give you the scripture where, where they, that, that usually comes from, okay? Jesus is talking, and Jesus says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sweet! Doesn't that sound, that's what I'm talking about, right? Some of you right now are downloading the church app. How do I give online? I'm going to give, show me the money, right? The problem is, is we have to go to the verse before that and see what Jesus is actually talking about. It's a little word we like to use called context. Here's what Jesus says in the verse right before that in Luke uh, uh, 637. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And then he says, give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. What is he talking about? What's going to be poured into your lap? What's going to be pressed down? What's going to be running over? Judgment. He says, if you judge, do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn and you'll be condemned. Give judgment, get more coming back. Give condemnation, get more coming back. That doesn't sound so good. That's why you don't hear a lot of series on how to get more judgment in your life, right? But we've misapplied that context of give and you'll get more because it feeds into our selfish hearts. See, true generosity is never based on payback. 
True generosity is never about what I get back from it. So that's a transactional mindset. If I give to get, that's transactional. That's selfish. If I give saying, but do I get to keep control of my money? Do I get to control where it goes and how it's spent? Well, that's giving and wanting something back. Control. If I give, do I get my name on a building? Do I get a sponsor sheet? What, and then, then those are fine, but that's transactional. I give so I can get. True generosity is just giving. See, the selfish heart, the selfish heart says, I give so I can get. And it's natural. We're all born with a selfish heart. Now, as we grow, as we mature, we develop a, what I call a scarcity heart, a heart of scarcity. A selfish heart says, I give so I can get. A scarcity heart says, if I give, I won't have enough. I won't have enough. Years ago, I heard a couple of little kids playing together, and this is back when SpongeBob SquarePants was a big deal, okay? So you can pick out the era of when it was. And I think McDonald's was giving away SpongeBob SquarePants watches with their kids' meals, right? And one of the little kids, he had five SpongeBob watches, okay? And the other little, little child did not have any SpongeBob watches. So she said to him, could I have one of your SpongeBob watches? And he said, no. And she said, why? And he said, because if I give you one, then I'll only have four SpongeBob watches. The question was, how many SpongeBob watches do you need? Like, really, in life, if you think it through, you're adults, through life, how many SpongeBob watches have you really needed? The thing is, is we do the exact same thing. We live the same way as the five SpongeBob watch guy. Uh, did you know that most of us here live in Douglas County? Douglas County as a whole is always in the top 10 richest counties in America. Normally it's number five or number six. By some measures recently, Douglas County is the richest county in America. Douglas County is in America, which is one of the richest countries in the world. Believe it or not, whether you live in a huge house, a condo, an apartment, the rest of the world would look at you and look at your lifestyle, look at your car, and look at your job, and say you are fabulously wealthy, that you have more than enough. This was uh, uh, driven home to me the first time I went to India. I was talking uh, with some people there. We were making friends, and I was asking about where they lived and all that, and they asked me about where I lived, and they were fascinated with my house, and so I don't remember why, but we were describing it, and then I, I talked about, you know, we've got three bedrooms, we've got a garage, and they said, wait a minute, what's a garage? Because all they knew was a garage would be where you take your car to get it repaired, and I said, oh, no, no, we have a garage attached to our house, and that's where I put my car. I park my car at night, and they said, so you're saying you have a house for your car? Like, no one I was talking to owned a home. Like, they lived in little apartments. They were fascinated a house, and then my car has its own house. I'm like, what? And I went, you know what? Maybe I have more than enough. Maybe I don't have scarcity. How many SpongeBob watches do I really need? See, until we recognize, until I recognize, I have enough. I have enough money. I have enough stuff. I have enough toys. Until we can get that place that we have enough, we'll never get to generosity. We'll never experience what it tr means to be truly blessed. Now, in saying that, I understand that there are people here that, that would say, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. We're barely making it. I get that. And we're going we're gonna to pray at the end, and, and that is reality. 
But a lot of us need to step back and go, you know what? I think I have enough. See, we're born with a selfish heart. We develop a scarcity heart. But if we mature and if we grow, we can eventually learn to have a grateful heart. Learn to have a grateful heart. I told you I, I grew up in church, and the message I got about giving, and they talked about it all the time. We talked about it. We went to Sunday school. They talked about it. We went to church. They talked about it. And the message I received, maybe it wasn't what they taught, but the message I received is you give because God tells you to give. That God says give, you give. Giving is an obligation. And if you don't give, God will be mad at you. And I was smart enough to know I don't want God mad at me. So I'm a little kid, and I'm dropping my dime in the offering. I'm an adult, I'm dropping my dime in the offering. I don't want God mad at me. And years later, the light finally came on that I was 180 degrees off when it came to generosity. Generosity does not begin with obligation. Generosity only begins with gratitude. It's not about what God wants from me. It's about what God has already done for me. So I'm not trying to keep God from being mad at me. I'm just blown away by all that God has given me. So how do we learn a grateful heart? Well, let me, let me tell you how it works in my life. So I, I type out my prayers every morning. And the reason I type them out is because my mind wanders. And so by typing, I'm able to focus a lot better. And as I'm typing out my prayers, sometimes I just stop and I just make a gratitude list. And I began to list all the things that I have that God has given me. In fact, let's do that right now. We'll just do it together. I'll give you some questions, and you decide if God's given you that or not. Do, can you breathe? Can you breathe? That's a gift from God. Can you see? It's a gift from God. Can you hear? It's a gift from God. Can you taste the warm deliciousness of hot chocolate chip cookies? Mmm. It's a gift from God. Your clothes, your car, your house, your job, your, your spouse, your kids, your mom, your dad. Everything that you can name is a gift from God. In fact, if you want to have a challenging exercise, write down the sentence, what is not a gift from God? What cannot be attributed back to something God created or something God gave? And I bet that list is pretty small. And it's so helpful for me on occasion just to begin to list everything that God has given me and realize he is so, so generous because the, gen the beginning of gratitude is realizing that everything I have, everything came from God. So here's what we learn about our heart. The selfish heart that we're born with says, I give so I can get. The scarcity heart says, I, if I give, I won't have enough. The grateful heart says, I give because God has given me so much. And then if we mature, we continue to grow, we continue to understand, we eventually grow a generous heart. We grow a generous heart. We learn that in life, generosity is actually the point. It's not a means to an end. It is the point. See, the generous heart says, I get so I can give. See, I'm not worried about getting paid back because giving is its own reward. When I give stuff away, that's the reward. I'm not worried about having enough because God already supplies all my needs. If I give some, he'll take care of me. I'm grateful because God is already giving me so much. And I'm generous because why? I know I get so I can give. When I'm generous, that's when I'm blessed. That's why this series is blessed. Because when I'm generous, that's when I'm blessed. How, what? I, I thought, that doesn't work. Yeah, it does. 
If we go back to the definition I gave you at the beginning, the definition I gave at the beginning that, 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 that being blessed is having peace, it's having joy, it's having uh, a fulfillment. See, I have peace because I'm not worried about how much I have anymore. I have peace about it. I have joy because I know I'm helping others. Like when they showed Chris Jung's picture up there, I know that I gave to Front Range. And I know I was a part of his uh, 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 being in the youth group and, and giving his heart to Christ and being discipled by Brandon and the youth leaders. I know that when I gave to Front Range, part of that went to Convoy of Hope. And that's where the money came from for the stuff that he was giving away. I feel joy in that because I was a part of helping others. I have peace because I'm not worried about how much I have. I have joy because I know when I give, I help others. I have fulfillment because I know that I'm living out my purpose. I know that God gives to me so I can give to others, and there's joy in that. There, there's a day that uh, comes every year that is both one of my favorite and probably my least favorite days all in the same day. Comes in April every year, right in the middle, April 15th. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, April, well, pre-COVID, it came on April 15th. And I do my own taxes, and by doing my own taxes, what I mean is I use TurboTax online. And if you haven't used TurboTax, the way it works is it just asks you questions, you answer the questions, and then it tells you give all your money to the government. Like, that's how it works, <laughs> sort of. And so, the first thing it does when you do your taxes is it says, how much money did you make last year? So you type it in, and then it says, no, really, how much money did you make last year? Type in a little more. Says, Are you sure? Is there not another penny that you made last year? Okay, there's everything I made last year. And then it has a little run or a tally up in the corner, and it's always red. And it says, you owe the government this much money. And I'm like, oh, I'm so depressed. And it'll say, well, how did you spend your money last year? Well, I spent it on this and this and this and this. And it says, well, we can take a little bit off that. And then like a dollar comes off. It's like, oh, great. But then comes my favorite part. This is the fun part. Toward the end of it, of the, of the survey that it asked to do your taxes, it asks this question. It says, hey, did you give anything away last year? I'm like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I pull out my giving receipts and I type that in. And then I, we sponsor some kids in different missions organizations and I type that in. And then we give to some other churches and we give to some other uh, missions type organizations, things like that, nonprofits. And I type all that in. And then it tells me, you know what? Last year you gave this much away. That's the coolest number ever. Like, I'm not saying it's huge. I'm not saying it's amazing, but it's, it's so cool. Because here's what I do every time. I, call, I go into Sherry and I say, Sherry, guess how much we gave away last year? And she always says, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know, how much? I said, no, 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 you got to guess. And she'll say some number, and I'll go, higher. And she'll guess another number, and I'll go, higher. And she'll go, well, how much? And I'll say, last year, we were able to give away this much. We're both like, that's so cool, that's so cool, that's exciting, we're so fun. It is, it is, we feel joy. Now, my wife, being way more mature than me, after that, every year, always says, yeah, we got to give away more next year. I'm like, no, let's get a Ford F-150 electric. Let's do that. And if you have one or get one, that's fine. That's not what this is about. It's about the joy of being able to give. And I'm telling you, for us, that's the best, that's one of the best moments of the year. Because it's that joy of, you know what, that's, we, we don't get any benefit from that. We just, we get the opportunity God gave us, and it gives us a gauge of what God gave us. Because if God doesn't give us much, we can only give away at what we have but we give some of that away. That's what generosity is about. That's what's life-changing for me, been life-changing for me. Change changes my outlook on, on following Christ even. I don't feel this obligation anymore. I don't feel this guilt. I don't feel this selfishness of, oh, I need to get to get, or I need to give to get. 
I'm able to have the freedom of getting to give, of being generous. So we finished today. I, wanna, I just want to do a heart checkup. You know, maybe if you've ever had any heart problems, anything like that, they'll do an EKG. Well, we're going to do a spiritual EKG. We're going to put some questions up on the board, up on the board, up on the screen. And I'm going to talk through these. You might want to take a picture of this. You might want to go through this a little bit later. But here are four questions for a heart EKG. First of all, how focused am I on hanging on to what is mine? In other words, how often do you think, you know what, I've worked hard for what I have. I got to hang on to it. I got to make sure I don't lose any of it. I got to make sure that nobody else gets it. And I'm, 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 now there's, there's nothing wrong in protecting your possessions. What I'm talking about is when it takes over and it becomes a selfishness, how focused am I on hanging on to what is mine? Then how often do you worry about just not having enough? I mean, beyond, you know, sometimes I, I can't pay the rent or I don't know how I'm going to pay the grocery. That's one thing. But when you're doing okay, you've got food, you have shelter, you have clothing, but you, you, you're, you're, you, you ask questions like, is this good enough? What if I had a better house? What if I had a better car? What if I had a better this? What if I had a bigger? And that overwhelms your How would you finish this sentence? When I get blank, then I'll have enough. When this is in my bank account, when I have this house, when I have this car, when I get what, then I'll have enough. Do you regularly recognize that everything comes from God? Like, how often do you sit down and go, thank you, God, for this, thank you, God, for this, thank you, God, for this, thank you, God, for this? And do you feel more blessed because of how much you have or how much you're able to give away? See, I have to go through that heart checkup all the time because I told you at the beginning, I have a selfish heart. Like, I have prayed and I have grown and I've learned and I've given and it comes back again and again and again, this selfish heart. And so I have to continually remind myself, you know what, I have enough. God has given me enough. I have to continually go, it all comes from God. Giving is just giving him back what he already gave me. I have to continually remind myself, generosity is the point. That's why I'm here. So we're going to end the service today. Usually when you have a, a message on on giving and generosity, then you'll take up an offering. And, you know, I hope you feel guilty. Get out your checkbook. We're not going to take up an offering. We don't. You, there's tithe boxes in the back. And if you give in that way, go ahead and feel free. Through my wife and I, we give online. And our, our, our giving, for the most part, is taken out automatically. But that's not what this is about. This is about our hearts. This is about spending a few minutes with God and saying, God, what kind of work do you want to do on my heart? God, Look inside of me and show me my selfishness. Show me my fear. Show me the hang-ups that I have about my finances. This is also a time, if you're really struggling, to just lay it out before God. To say, God, I, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to have a scarcity heart, but we got a major problem right now. Like we are facing, we are up against it. God, we need a miracle from you. Totally legal to just focus on that right now. Let's pray together. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your generosity. As in all things, you went first. You sent your son Jesus to come as a little baby, to live a sinless life, but then to be arrested and beaten and crucified and die, not for his own gain, not for anything for him, but all for us. And Lord, it's the ultimate picture of generosity. 
Lord, I pray for, for our hearts. I pray for selfishness that just comes up again and again and again, that, that we will see it for what it is, that it's from Satan. Lord, I pray for this idea of scarcity. I pray for those who are struggling, who, don't, who literally don't have enough. Lord, we pray for miracles. We pray for new jobs. We pray for new ideas, new opportunities. Lord, we pray that you will meet the need. But for many of us, Lord, who may feel like we don't have enough, I pray that we will see through the eyes of the rest of the world and see that for the most part, we have more than enough. Lord, I pray that we can have gratitude for all that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that we will continually grow in this heart of generosity. And Lord, we ask it and pray that you'll move in our hearts right now. In your name, amen.